the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast with John Taylor and Shan Carr. And welcome. This is episode 56 of the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. It's me, John Taylor, along with comedian Shan Carr and our very own gay desert guide, Brad Fur. Hey. Hey, I happen to be 56, so this is my episode. It is your episode. And actually, this is a jam-packed episode. We've got some really, really cool stuff. We are going to be hearing from the mayor of Palm Springs, Jeff Kors. Very uh, thrilled to have him on to talk about what's going on in our city and how you can get involved and uh, help them make decisions that are really crucial right now. And we're also going to be talking, of course, with uh, Dr. Laura Rush, uh, Jimmy Bogle, who is the CV independent publisher. Uh, We're also, who else do we have on, Shan? we have Vianne Hopings, who is on the Cathedral City uh, Public Arts Commission, and she's also part of the Great Autos of Yesteryear, G-A-Y, Gay uh, Auto Group. And then we have my personal therapist and the head of uh, mental health and counseling at the LGBT Community Center of the Desert, talking about sort of the herd psychology of what's going on with all of us um, here getting our way through COVID. So, and then you have a special friend closing us out today. Yes, uh, we're going to be getting a a, a little mini uh, concert, a little palate cleanser of artistic uh, beauty, a concert cellist by the name of uh, Andrew Cook, who's played with, you know, every major orchestra in the world and has uh, agreed to to give us a special song just for us at the end. Well, and we would like to say for the first time ever, before we get started with all of the fun and games, we'd like to hear a few words about our sponsors. Well, thank you very much, Shan. The I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast made possible by these sponsors, Tori Nissan and La Quinta. The Gay Desert Guide Nissan Leaf comes from the loins of Tori Nissan. Get a great deal on a newer used car today. See Bob Bailey or Robin Barnes at Tori Nissan and La Quinta. Also by the Fun and Games Department of Gay Desert Guide, providing a full calendar of August virtual events, such as Big Gay Trivia and our virtual tours and virtual speed dating hosted by... Me! With speed dating for women, speed dating for men. There's a game show night. There's a trivia night. There is an at-home scavenger hunt, which is hysterical. We just here locally, we're doing eight events in the month of August. And then we're partnering um, with the men event that has a whole bunch of other stuff that's actually museum tours and unbelievably interesting stuff. So between our stuff and their stuff, which we're all merging and, you know, putting out through Gay Desert Guide, uh, we got some stuff for you to keep you entertained while you're at home. And a special uh, code, if you put in GDG25, you will get 25% off for listening to today's podcast. Finally, by Out and About CBD, it's the company dedicated to naturally enhancing wellness in our LGBTQ community. Use the promo code GDG10 when you order for an additional 10% off. And they also have these really cool uh, rainbow masks if you order $50 or more. Find out more about that on GayDesertGuide.com. And now it's time to uh, welcome back the smart people to yeah. our, our podcast. <laughs> Not to say that y'all aren't smart, but we have an expert journalist who is the publisher of Coge- Coachella Valley Independent. It's Jimmy Bogle. Welcome back, Jimmy. And we have Dr. Laura Rush. And Laura, how are we doing? That's how we basically start our little support group. You give us the report card. It is a support group. That's exactly what it is. Yeah. Do we get an F today, or are we are we somewhere in the C? It's our Coachella COVID, you know, yeah, report card here. 
You know, every, every time I want to say that there's a light at the end of the tunnel, you know, the county gives us data that kind of contradicts what I was seeing, but there's a lag in the data. So we're getting, I think, like about a two-week lag in some of the reporting. You know, when I looked at the, the information they put out on Tuesday mornings, I see fewer cases of patients in the ICU. I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Jimmy, I think the number of deaths has gone down just a little bit. Actually, no. Deaths, deaths which were the last indicator, they're actually up. They're up now. They're okay. Up, yes. Just so, the last couple of days, right? Like three the days. Last week or so. They've been up. Yeah. The last week, yeah. So when you look at the data that I'm seeing on from the county, there is a little bit of a lag. Um, and from an anecdotal point of view, the patients that I'm testing, I'm seeing, uh, you know, maybe a 10% positivity rate. But what we're seeing is an increase in the positivity rate, depending on when that data is coming out. So the current one showed a little bit of an increase in our positivity rate. The hospitals are doing okay. There is a downtrend in the patients that are hospitalized with COVID right now. That's not to say that it's still not widespread. So yeah. we're still at that point where it's invasive enough that it's dangerous enough for everybody. So we're not at a point where it's safe to open up and start getting back to normalcy. Well, aren't so, our numbers up from when they were in March? When we, I mean, our personal numbers are higher than they have ever been. They, they continue were. to go up. The, I mean, if we were a flattening little... that curve. We were doing a great job yeah. of keeping that curve flat. And then it's just, it's, it's taken off. And, yeah. you know, you look and see, well, the, you know, they opened up things. Was it too soon? Was yeah. it an influx? Um, you know, of patients, of patients, people coming in from out of town. Sure. Yeah. You know, is it people going, you know, the city says it's people having pool parties. And I was like, well, you know, I don't know any of my local friends who are having raging pool parties. And a lot of those are short-term rentals. That's yeah. what I see. My anecdotal evidence living in a, in a community where I've got a lot of short-term rentals all around me and every weekend they're popping. Too. You know? Yeah, and you're and like the part. Gladys Kravitz of your neighborhood, so you know where those short-term rental parties are because you're the one complaining. Oh, I'm the I'm right there on on that <laughs> app, that Palm Springs app, and I'm calling the police. And we'll be and, talking to Jeff Coors in just a few minutes, and so this is one of the topics we'll be bringing up because it certainly is a hot button topic in town. Indeed. You know, we have to we balance out wanting to have our economy in some kind of less than shambles, yeah. and at the same time. Uh, short-term rentals do seem to be uh, a big issue. And it's not families coming out and no. hanging out with their families. It's the big parties. Lynn Hammond, a caterer and a good friend of mine, yeah. posted on Facebook that she was asked to do a party this Saturday, at August 1st, for 25 people at a house pool party. And when she declined and said that's that you know it's basically outrageous and crazy to do that in a nice way, they basically said, "Well, we've got plenty of other caterers we can call in town that'll do it." Do it. Yeah, call someone else. Yeah, Lynn is in no position to be compromised, nor is her staff. Nor is anyone really? You do have to put. You do have to. Each of us have to make that decision and pick that's where right. we stand on the line every single day. Every day you have to pick it over and over again, and yeah. even when you're trying to behave. And some I, I of us have gone over the line. I mean, or stepped, uh, you know, put a, yeah. a foot over the line and said, whoa, maybe, maybe you know, back off yeah. a bit. I think and, we all have. Yeah. With the, without even realizing it. It is, is definitely hard. You know, like at some point you look, I want to go to dinner. 
I, I want to go to the beach. And, you know, this past weekend, a couple of weeks ago, I went to the beach and I was in a very wide open patch where there was nobody. This week, I'm like, I had to get out. It's 115 and I think it's going to be 120 this weekend. I don't want to be sitting in this desert heat. So I went, I took my bike and myself and I went down to Redondo and it was packed at the beach and I stayed 30 minutes. I, yeah. I rode over, got myself some pizza and left because it was packed. Nobody wearing a mask. All of the restaurants that were, that are there in Hermosa beach yeah. open. I mean, people were sitting out on the patios. No one's wearing a mask though and eating yeah. and drinking and walking in giant packs. I was like, this is insanity. I, I don't want to be here. I thought I was, it was going to be quiet but and people would be compliant and that was not the case and i was like you know this Sorry. is we're we're gonna just keep spinning our wheels here and and yeah. that's where i'm getting frustrated other doctors are getting frustrated business owners are getting frustrated yeah, right. yeah. we're, we're dr. spinning our wheels here dr dr rush can we talk for a second and jimmy why don't you um why don't you tell us about the you you covered this in the in the daily digest there were 150 major doctors medical people that signed on to a uh, uh, an open letter basically telling us not to open up and what we would need to do. Jimmy, can you summarize that? And, yeah. and then Dr. Rush, I'd like to get your thoughts on that. Sure. Essentially, it was, it was a bunch of experts calling on the government essentially to go back to um, essentially a, a March, April style shutdown for at least a couple of weeks to allow everything to chill out and, 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 and everything. And, um, but you can tell that the appetite for that is just not there. And so, you know, and especially when you're calling on the federal government to do it, that's, there's just nothing going on there. Dr. And Rush, I'd like you to comment on demon semen and extraterrestrial <laughs> DNA. Thank you, John. Oh, but, 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 and, yeah. and, and at the same time, I, would, I wanted to get her comment on that <laughs> specific letter, because you're talking about you know, the appetite for people here locally is certainly not there, too. But, yes, I want to get to demon semen or demon sperm, too. That's a hot topic. Today. First, we'll let's get, get back we'll to get the We'll get to all of it. You know, I, I agree that if, if we had a shutdown, if you're talking almost like a shelter in place where we were in the beginning of yeah. all of this, where no one went anywhere, and that would give the community the time to, to decompress from this virus. The virus, as we've talked about, can't move without a host. So if we're not going anywhere... The body's going to fight it. It's going to die off, and that'll be the end of it. But if we keep perpetuating the cycle of going out and sharing this love, it's going to keep persisting. So I agree. It, it's economically probably not very feasible to do it again because we're so far into this. Now it would do a lot of harm. So there are there are no easy answers, but I agree that something has to be done. I I don't know what that point is. I personally, I think individuals have to take it upon themselves to say, yeah. I'm not going out until this is done. And it's gonna be a lot more than than two weeks. Well, they were suggesting three weeks and three weeks doesn't seem like it would harm the economy that much if we just went into three week lockdown versus this persistence of you know it's 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 just like death by a thousand cuts right now you're absolutely right i mean kids aren't going to school so you know people are gonna have to figure out how to you know how to take care of their kids at home right now so those you know those families those individuals are, are going to be severely impacted so it's do it now or do it before the school season starts but you're right prolonging the agony is they they could do a cost benefit analysis they're going to see this is going to cost 
hundreds of millions of dollars in the economy, local economies. But they have to, but they have to make this decision sooner than later because this is ongoing. And you know, people have been asking me, "Hey, when does flu season start?" I'm like, you know, we start pushing now. flu shots in August. Yeah, they they come out in August, and we start giving them out and pushing them out. And the hard part is, you know, we still will have a flu season. Yes, people will be less impacted if you're wearing masks and staying home and doing lots of hand washing, but those symptoms are the same as a COVID symptom. So yeah. it's going to be really hard to tell from a medical mm-hmm. point of view. Is this an influenza or is this, uh, you know, coronavirus? Uh, it's- will the test? Go ahead. Does the test tell you the difference between the two? Oh yeah. Yeah, Certainly. yeah, yeah, yeah. There's a, the, the flu test show, you know, tells you exactly that if it's that it's a rapid flu, that yeah. it, that's a flu test, then you know that within five minutes. Yeah. So it, it doesn't take 24 to 48 hours to get those test results. But from a, a patient panic point of view, and, you know, I'm really, really sick, and now I have to go in and doctors aren't seeing patients with flu-like symptoms, that makes it harder. Yeah. You know, we could treat influenza with Tamiflu. So, but getting into a doctor's office right now with a cold or a fever or a cough or a fever, it's not happening. So they have to do something because when these two start combining this, it's going to, I hate to say it's going to be a shit show and it's going to be an awful one. Jimmy, what else you got? I I wanted to ask you about, um, there's more and more evidence and studies coming out about even people who have mild cases of COVID that they are having some pretty awful, severe ongoing effects. The one that, that's been getting a lot of press because a Red Sox pitcher actually has it mm-hmm. is basically a, a heart muscle inflammation. Right. Um, in your patients, um, are you seeing a lot of, of fairly mild cases that either linger or have longer term effects like this? Absolutely. I'm seeing patients that, that were sick and were hospitalized, not ventilated, but hospitalized and are young, healthy people that are still on oxygen. And they've been recovered, you know, for three, four or five weeks, and they're still on oxygen and working with respiratory therapists to get them off. I'm seeing a lot of patients with which seems now like a chronic fatigue. They're wiped out. They're exhausted. And they're like, I have no energy. And that's still it's part of the recovery. And because we're still six months into this, learning what the sequelae, long term effects of this virus are going to be. We're still a year or two out from seeing the kind of damage this is wait, doing. Wait, wait. I sequelae. want to hear that word. You just slipped in the sequelae. And what is the sequelae? Your eyes dotted around trying to, what the f- <laughs> is that? Come on, Google that shit. No, teach us, <laughs> Hey, Siri, what is sequelae? Long-term effects, after effects. Sequelae is a pathological condition resulting from a disease, injury therapy, or other trauma. Should I keep going? No. No. <laughs> so the long-term effects of, of having the, the disease. So the scarring yeah. that this yeah. is going to provide you with. So be that fibrosis, which is thickening in the lung tissue, you know, lung damage, heart muscle damage, because this is an inflammatory sickness or illness, yeah. and it's causing widespread inflammation across the body. It's going to be a long time before we see just how many people are have long-term effects and what these long-term effects are. Are they going to get better in a year? Are they going to get better in five years? Is it going to lead to people having emphysema COPD symptoms 20 years from now? So sequelae is a funny-sounding word, but it ain't no joke. Yeah. It's no, joke. Yeah. no, it's just, yeah, just medical terminology for long-term effects. 
Okay. So, and then you guys wanted to bounce into talking about this demon seed and yeah. <laughs> sure. Yeah. And they call it. I thought demon semen would be much better because it, it yeah. rhymes. That's demon yeah, sperm. Yeah, the alliteration right? much better. Uh, Isn't that a party at one of the resorts and like yeah, usually demon semen week? It's a circuit <laughs> party, or it should be. It's right after the white PCBC. party, right? Yeah. <laughs> So, yes, tell know, us what you think about that, Dr. Uh, Rush. So, as soon as I saw Dan Erickson pop up again in that mm. little group, and uh, he was that guy that was, you know, from Bakersfield, the ER right. doc in Bakersfield. Yeah. And the issue, you know, it's embarrassing to say is that he and I went to the same medical school, and he was a couple of years ahead of me. Um, and I, you know, I already went to the medical school, and I was like, could you at least smack him around a little bit and say you're an embarrassment? Oh, but I, very respected doctor. Very, very respected doctor. No. Um, they're, they're just carting these people out. It's, you know, the Breitbart, Breitbart dog and pony show. And they're going to bring out all their whack jobs to kind of stir up controversy again. But when would a president advocate for that and put his approval on... When could He's that ever up the Goya can? I mean, this is a guy who has absolutely no. I thought she was very impressive. I was very impressed by her. I've never heard of her before. I don't know anything about her, but I was very impressed. <laughs> I'm going to need to go get gosh. some bourbon to put into this coffee. If <laughs> it's it's exhausting, and you know, I and I sit there and and I quote and I put out information from from JAMA and New England Journal of Medicine, and. You know, we provide, doctors provide, the medical community provides this evidence constantly. They do clinical studies, but people want to latch on to four or five or 10 of these Easy. bizarre yep. theories and, and people with zero credibility. And it's, I'm like, I, I don't understand why grabbing onto those little nuggets is so I'm crazy. To them. I know. How do you get your brain to thinking this is the answer? She sounds so smart to me. How, how do you get into that neighborhood mentally? Oh, maybe Dr. Hingston has some answers for you. Okay, for so later, later, Jill, later in the show please. today, we're going to see Dr. Jill Hingston, who is the director of... Uh, therapy and mental health at the LGBT center in town. She is amazing. And she was talking about sort of the herd psychology yes. of everyone going through this kind of thing at the same time and no one really to lean on because everybody has nothing to lean on. And the cycle of it, you know, as soon as you get it kind of get together, something else kicks your feet out from under you. And it's exhausting. Well, it's exhausting seeing people that I, we all previously thought were intelligent and loving our family, our friends posting this kind of information and 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 being like but just listen to her just hear them out i was like i went to medical school i don't have to listen to the this quackery you know i i can read the studies you can read the studies they're in you know terminology that you can understand and but why they have to latch on to these bizarre theories and the these handful of people to it's they're trying to prove I, their own self-doubt, I think, it, or remove their own self-doubt that, okay, I'm, I've been supporting this crazy president, but look, here's some experts that they may be able to back me up. See, and I like when you read the studies and then explain them to me because <laughs> you're an expert and you can kind of figure it out for him. We really appreciate when you do that. And, and also, like, I would go to you to learn how to throw a ball. I would not go to Anthony Fauci. Exactly. After. Uh, or Jimmy. Yeah, you go to Jimmy. Jimmy. You know, you're, you guys actually play softball in <laughs> leagues and you know what you're doing. Uh, Anthony Fauci, 
is a great, uh, you know, a, a great expert on infectious diseases, but mm -mm, can't throw a ball. What else, Jimmy? Well, you know, when, when you look gonna... at people that are trying to believe the fake medical terminology, it's, it's mind boggling. I, I don't know why they think that there's like this group of doctors that are, we're, we're manipulating the data, we're manipulating the outcomes of these clinical studies to pump drugs into people because we're somehow benefiting from it. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's really going to far extremes to say that all these doctors are in cahoots. It's like, you know, there's a class in medical school on, on how to screw over the general population. And could you imagine getting all those doctors to agree to then keep the secret for eternity? I mean, it's just not going to happen. Listen, we're coming to the end of our segment. Jimmy, you got a last thought for us? Well, I just wanted to say that we, we've actually highlighted a couple of stories from an excellent publication called The Conversation. Oh. Basically, what it is is they go out and they find experts in various fields to kind of break down why certain things happen. And we've linked to a couple of stories about conspiracy theories. And every time something major happens, you'll notice there are conspiracy theories that pop up around it. And you basically cannot convince people uh, that, that these conspiracy theories aren't true. And it's because there's a psychology there. It's a lot more comforting to think that a small cabal in a corner somewhere is managing things than just to think that, holy cow, life is horrible and viruses happen to pop up and yeah. go out and kill half a million people around the world. It's a lot more comforting to think that or that, you know, a small group of terrorists you know, we're able to do something terrible on September 11th. It's a lot easier to think that we're somehow controlled. And it's, it's, it's actually a psychological issue, and it's sad. And it, it, it hurts people because then they go out and they don't wear masks. And Yeah. I know, but the moon landing was fake. We can all agree on that, right? Oh, of course. And we got to <laughs> knock down those 5G towers. Can we agree I know, on that? Please. Oh, my gosh. I know. Don't get me started on the chemtrails, though. No. Oh, <laughs> no. Well, I love our never-ending balance of tragedy and comedy. I think that's why we all have such a good time every Thursday morning. I want to say thank you to Jimmy Bogle from the Coachella Valley Independent and Dr. Laura Rush. Thank you so much for your wisdom today. That is Jimmy. You put, you put your plug in for this month's it's Coachella Valley Independent, please. Where do we it's find hitting, it? It's, it's hitting the streets this week. Uh, you can get it at Albertsons, Whole Foods, hundreds of other locations. Um, we've got our story on the local theater scene um, on the cover. Uh, will the show go on? And it's awesome. Pick it up. It uh, always yeah. is awesome, Jimmy. Thank you very much for continuing to print with real ink and paper from Phoenix instead of Palm Springs? Not yet. We're, we're still being printed in Palm Springs, and they, they, I, will, I will say they do a fantastic job over there. Well, the good news is there's not a snowstorm that's going to happen between Phoenix and Palm Springs, so rarely will the paper get delayed. You know, don't, don't say that. This is 2020. No, I'm no. Not, I'm not gonna happen. We could have a haboob. It's on I the bingo know. card. <laughs> there was an earthquake this morning in L.A., so... Yeah. Okay, Could well, be a sandstorm. Oh, <laughs> yeah, right. Who knows? Who knows? Thank All you right, both. Guys. You guys care. stay safe. Bye-bye. Bye. 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 And a fine welcome on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. This is a first for our podcast. We are episode 56. I can't believe it's taken us this long to have our mayor, Jeff Coors, join us today. Jeff, welcome, and thank you for being on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Of course. Thanks for having me. So this is your um, your fifth year on the Palm Springs City Council. Is that correct? It is. I'm the old timer right now. I can't, believe, I, I can't believe it's gone by that quickly. You were yeah. also, you and I knew each other 
when you were executive director at Equality California during the yeah. Prop 8 campaign yeah. back in Los Angeles. Uh, and then you're, you've had a long uh, history with supporting and being a member of the staff of uh, the National Center for Lesbian Rights. And I know you've done many a fundraiser uh, yeah. at your home for uh, NCLR as well. So welcome. Um, we, uh, we've got so much going on in the world. We just got do. done talking with uh, Dr. Laura Rush about what's happening from the medical standpoint. And uh, we asked Jimmy Bogle from the Coachella Valley Independent to join us for this segment. Uh, we, this is not a uh, this is not a, uh, uh, a a grilling of of Mayor Coors today. But we just thought that we would get look perspective on a lot of different topics and a lot of things that are happening in the city. Um, this is we I think I think Palm Springs has been impacted more than any other city, maybe even in Riverside County. Would you not agree? Yes, I would. I mean, we're having the largest, at least from an economic point of economic, view. Yeah, we are definitely um, the most impacted. Not fortunately from uh, a COVID point of view, from the public health, but definitely. I'm, I'm putting a price on my head. Yes, <laughs> that is the price. I am worth. I am worth twelve dollars according to the state, and if I lived in another city, I would be worth seventy-six. If you lived in the city of Riverside you'd be worth 85. And if you lived in LA, you'd be worth 174. Why am I so cheap? I know, it's so sad. Well, How's I know you going? can't go into all the reasons for that, but Jeff, why are we looking at that price tag? Um, well, the reason I've been given so far is that's where the leadership of the legislature is from, and they're the ones who drop the budget and are on the committees. Uh, you know, there are 13 cities, they're known as a group of 13, they only represent 28% of Californians, but they have oversized influence in the legislature. And just as an example, the city of Riverside is seven times bigger than Palm Springs in population, yet they got 50 times more money. Wow. But we have, a, we have double a budget deficit, loss of revenue directly related to COVID than they do. Yeah. So 72% of California residents live in places that are getting $12 per resident. So this, they're not even doing this the way they should based on what's your actual right. loss of revenue? What are your actual COVID-related impacts? But if you're going to do it per person, treat us all the same. Yeah. Just say, we, we got $600,000 when we have a $75 million budget cap. Riverside got $28 million. They have a $28 million budget cap. So wow. they're able to do all these great programs, right? Rent relief for low-income residents, rent yeah. relief for businesses. Yeah grants to businesses, investment in minority communities, building parklets. I mean, all these things that we don't have resources to do because of this unequitable distribution of money. No, so what's I'm, happening in terms of getting that resolved? Is there any movement on that? Anything you can tell us as an update? Um, you know, I joined a group called the Coalition of California Mayors. It's um, mayors from the 400 plus cities that aren't in the group of 13. Um, and I wrote a letter that is now as of today, getting distributed to get as many cities to sign on and sort of do what we did in Palm Springs, have other cities speak out. And I've also talked mm -hmm. to Assemblymember Chad Mays, yeah. uh, who really helped us get homeless funding, the only city not in the group of 13 to get a penny in homeless money as well. Good for you. In the last budget and to get him to work with legislators so we can really make this a statewide effort to fix this, at least moving forward. Because the state will get more funding and we need it to be distributed fairly, and it hasn't. I'm, I'm interested in knowing where we are with 
I know that contact tracing is funded at the county level, right? Yes. Not so much. So are we having any of that? Is any of that happening here in our city as a result of county funding? I mean, it is happening. It's being done by the county. They're the Department of Health for every city in the county. That's how it works in the state. They get the state okay. and federal funding. They receive $431 million in CARES Act funding, plus they're getting funding for contact tracing. But they're having a lot of trouble doing it. If they ask people too many questions before they get tested, people won't test. Right. If they ask after, people don't want to say where they work. They don't want to say who they were with. So they're having a lot of trouble getting people to provide the information. What is this, the answer then? Um, it's really tough, and that's the problem. The other problem is, and this is a problem everywhere, uh, although it's gotten a lot better, they did not have enough testing for the number of people who wanted to get tested. Well, yeah. So it was taking seven days to get an appointment and then seven to 10 days to get your results. Well, contact tracing after people have potentially spread the virus for 17 days not that defeats helpful. the purpose. Yeah. So that is something I know they're working on and <clears throat> Riverside County uh, Director of Health, uh, Dr. Kaiser is the representative on the state working group for all the large counties. So he's been really focused on that to try and get that sped up. Got it. Jeff, I wanted to talk a little bit about um, what's happening just in, in the city limits and specifically along um, our, our business district. There, you know, unfortunately, you as the mayor uh, become the whipping boy for literally every post that's out there on Facebook. I see you tagged in literally hundreds of posts. Jeff Coors, how come you're not blah, blah, blah? How come you're, you know, why isn't the city doing more? All these these things, it must, I mean, it must be exhausting. You're, you, you don't seem to have bags under your eyes, so <laughs> you either have some really good uh, 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 concealer or, um, no. or you found a way to deal with all this. <laughs> but, you know, that it, it is a, it's, a very, um, it's a very thankless job in many ways. We know that that is the case when you're doing uh, public service. But even now we've got this pandemic on top of it and people's sure. nerves are, are rattled, et cetera. I first commend you for um, continuing to have uh, just a nice even keel throughout all of this. Um, you know, J uh, Jimmy and I were talking just a few minutes ago uh, off the air. There's certainly controversy about decisions that are being made. And the one that comes to mind right now certainly is the 11P to, to 5A uh, yeah. restaurant closing. Uh -huh. So let's, let's hear um, your take on that and any updates you have for us on that, because that one seems to be uh, sure. kind of the, the raw nerve right now. Sure. Yeah. And just briefly, look, this is what public service is, right? You're here to help people. So I'm glad I'm mayor during this period. I think it's an opportunity. <laughs> we to are too. Set a tone and, you know, be even keeled because we got so much pressure from people who want to close everything and pressure from people who want to open everything. And yeah. so, you know, you have to find a balance. We have to learn to live with COVID because it's not going to be gone this year. Yeah. Um, you know, we know it's early next year is the earliest if everything goes perfectly and it could be much longer. Um, so at the last council meeting, we have COVID orders on the agenda at every council meeting. I encourage people to make public comment who constantly post on Facebook. Almost none of them did. Um, and posting on Facebook is not going to get you public yeah. comment, right? And it's not getting the whole council to hear what you're saying. So I really encourage people to participate at the meetings, uh, not just on Facebook. Because they're streaming. Yeah. People can watch them live, right? right. Yes, live. Amazing. And, we, and we call you for public comment from the meeting. That's amazing. Um, so it's really easy to do. And I hope people do that at our next meeting. Uh, but on that issue, um, at the last meeting, I went through all the different things that have been suggested by businesses, by residents, and by staff. And 
The city manager had suggested closing restaurants at 11, and the police chief said it would really help them. So they're getting asked by a lot of people, including businesses, to be kicking people downtown who aren't wearing masks. And, you know, police and code enforcement have their regular jobs pre-COVID. Yeah. Plus all the extra COVID work. Plus we're down 19 positions in the police department due to budget cuts, 10 of which are officers. We have five out for COVID right now. We have one or two of our code enforcement people out because they were working double shifts and the overtime was exhausting. So there needs to be a little reality. You could hear it in the police chief's voice at the last meeting. Plus, Dr. Kaiser came to our last meeting and he said, you have people walking by each other on Palm Canyon without a face covering? It's such little risk. Focus your resources at indoor spaces. Focus your resources where the problems are. But the police chief said it's a lot. There's definitely late at night. People are drinking more. They're walking around more without face coverings. They're going home and having parties, which we know is the biggest spread is, mm -hmm. you know, people having social gatherings. And if anyone wants to tell me you haven't been invited to people's houses for dinner or pool parties or anything, I have. Uh, I haven't gone, but I have. And so that's a big part of the spread. And the chief was really clear. They don't have the ban. There is no more bandwidth. And closing earlier, so they're not having to spend the late night hours focused on the four or five places that are open late and are causing some problems. Not all of them are causing problems by any means, but there are a couple right. uh, would help. Um, you know, the city manager was authorized to make these rules. They all come back to council at our next meeting for ratification. So this was not a council rule, it was a okay. city manager rule. And council didn't want to make these rules at our last meeting. They wanted the city manager to. I don't believe in that. We're the policy deciders. We should be making them and not throwing this on the city manager. Um, the city manager spoke to some restaurants. And, you know, he did this on Monday saying it's going to affect on, not till Friday so he could get feedback, right? He wanted to put it out there. And the bunch of restaurants said, if I could have till midnight so people could be seated at 10 or 10.30 and not be rushed out, that would really help. So he changed it to midnight um, after getting that feedback. Okay. And so it has been changed to midnight because the last thing I saw yeah. was actually 11 o'clock. So that has been changed to midnight. Yes. So he okay, good. yesterday he was going to change it to midnight. Um, I reached out to him with what I heard from restaurants as well, and he decided to change it to midnight. Okay. okay. And, and I noticed that the order, um, at least the, I haven't obviously read the new one because the last one I saw said 11 o'clock, said that this is something that's going to essentially stay in effect until the COVID crisis is over. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, if it comes a time when the bars are allowed to reopen on arenas and in other places, they will have to close at now midnight as well. Is that correct? Well, yeah. I mean, all the orders say that unless the council or the city manager changes, yes. changes it. And so that's just standard language in one of these orders, so you don't have to do <clears throat> it every month. So numerous ones that existed when the state changed rules or based on things happening are no longer in effect, right? But you they were written this. in the same way. Right, they were written in the same way. Right. So, you know, if the bars are allowed to open safely and we've gotten to the point where the virus is not spreading um, anymore at that rate, you know, then of course we'll look at that. And look, council may decide they want to let everything stay up until two in the morning. That'll be decided. Council has to ratify that order still. Okay. I have been, I mean, obviously the mask wearing, everywhere we go, we're wearing a mask and we see a bunch of people who are not wearing a mask in situations where we wish they were. And so I've purchased a little holster and a couple of pink squirt guns. <laughs> and like this doggy I'm training right now, I just walk by and squirt them a few times as I'm passing and I'm hoping it's working. You do that to me when I'm not, even if I'm wearing a mask. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
But, you know, look, I mean, <laughs> bicycles have been um, telling people they have face coverings. Code enforcement drives down Palm Canyon. And when they remind people, people will put them on. Yeah. Um, and they've given warnings. I don't know if they've given citations yet. I saw someone post that they were giving citations. So we'll get an update at the council meeting. Okay. Uh, and that's more of just sending the message than focusing on, you know, where the spread is. I mean, look, and people should watch our last council meeting, the first hour um, from a week ago, was Dr. Kaiser laying out where the spread's mm -hmm. coming from, how it happens. It's yeah. how long you're with someone, right? Um, and what the setting is. So, yeah. you know, you're not allowed to be in a restaurant sitting next to a non-household member closer than six feet, whether at the same table or a different table. I mean, those are the rules. Um, now, how a restaurant supposed to know or how that gets enforced? Yeah. Up to you. you know, the state and county haven't done anything on that. But right. I mean, people really need to be thoughtful that, you know, young people are getting this also. Yeah. Some are dying. Many, 60%, they think may have permanent heart damage. I mean, this is not yeah. a joke. Yeah. And, you know, face coverings, now that they know it's not just droplets, right? But it's just speaking too close to someone without a, a face covering means you're actually protecting yourself, mm -hmm. not just others. And I don't use just others in, as if they're less. We all need to treat everyone the way we want to be treated. Um, you know, just like you can't drive drunk and you sh can't text when you drive, you can't stop it entirely. But that's more about others as it is a, much about yourself. And you need to, you know, care of people as a community. I think people in our community that I've come into contact with, you know, we all have our little slips, you know, masks slip. But take it pretty seriously i'm not so sure about the people that come in from out of town and and rent a house for the weekend and fill it with you know i've, I've seen a lot of younger groups uh in town that didn't it seemed like they were trying to get away from their reality back in la and thinking they're immune to reality here because it's fantasy land is there going to be anything that's going to happen that that'll change policies on short-term rentals um you know we've we've talked about that and actually even the short-term rental, you know, group, the people who you know, um, run short-term rentals, the management companies and the vacation rental owners network are definitely saying they're seeing a different clientele than normal. Um, look, vacation rentals still have the same rules. You can't be within six feet if it's not someone from your household. Uh, so I know there's gonna be some recommendations that will come out in the staff report for next week's council meeting on what to do on that. The people really need to certify that they all live in the same Mm -hmm. household at home uh, those groups shouldn't be coming and staying together again very hard to enforce police yeah. as people don't may not realize police can't go in to non-public areas where you and i could walk in if we weren't staying in a hotel or into someone's house um you know there's fourth amendment uh, rules on that but you know we have gone to some houses and we've gotten complaints and the license plates clearly are not consistent with the guests who are registered, because we do require the names of all the guests staying in those houses, and they can't have any extra guests other than the people staying. And people have gotten fined and cited for that. Um, so that is happening. But again, we need that under control, because code enforcement is spending so much time going out to vacation rentals. And many of them aren't vacation rentals. Many of them are residents who are using their house uh, yes. Other residents are calling, saying they're vacation rentals. Yeah. So where do people go to get to see the, the next meeting? When and, and what's the yeah. best way for people to, to participate if you're not a person that has done that in the past? 
Sure. So typically Thursday nights, but by Friday on the city council website is the agenda and the staff report so people can see what's on the agenda. And then if you go to the city clerk's page, um, there's a way to do public comment. You can fill out a form and it gets sent to all of us, um, or you can ask to be called during the meeting. Uh, and I always encourage people, you know, if you want to send it ahead of time, we get to read it first. Um, but if you feel passionately, you should do both. You should call, you should speak at the meeting so other people hear this. You know, you can read the same group of people who are saying we should close down every business or close to all tourism, uh, but they're not calling in. They're not doing public comment. It's on social media. And I posted about this. Yeah. You know, I, I totally, look, we have to take public health seriously. We closed down before the state and I take that very seriously. But if we're gonna close down again for six months, nine months, a year, the public hey. health consequences will be devastating. We'll have yeah. more people homeless who can't pay their rent, more people without health insurance and access yeah. to affordable health care. We have more suicides, more domestic violence due to COVID already. I mean, it's not just so clear cut, right? We need everyone yeah. to follow the rules because we have to learn to live with this virus. And we are stricter. So in restaurants, I think we're the only city that you can't um, not have your face covering on when some, an employee of the restaurant comes to your table. You have to put it back up. You know, wear a gator, wear something that's easy to put on. Because mm -hmm. those people working in restaurants who are serving us, they're seeing 100 plus people a day. And they're wearing a mask to protect us, and you need to put one on to protect them when they're at the table. So we go a lot further than anywhere else I know on those kind of rules. You know, we make it a requirement near a business. That's not a state rule, that's a city rule. And we've had the face covering, you know, rules for months. The state just did it. So, you know, we're doing more enforcement. We're doing more rules than any city in Riverside County. And I think that's the right thing to do. I think we want to be as protective as we can. But at this point, closing everything down, how many business, if we close down to tourists, as you see on social media that some people want, how many businesses will be closed permanently? How many people yeah. will lose their life savings? How many people will not be able to survive. They're still going to owe rent. You know, we have a commercial eviction ban, one of the very few cities to do that. The state's only looking at residential. We do both. So we're really trying to help our businesses while being extra protective of public health. And I think that's the route to go. And it's what I've been advocating throughout this. So if people have an ax to grind or uh, they have a bitch to, to have voice, do it through the channels because the truth is you are actually responsive. We saw the uh, 11 o'clock moratorium changed to midnight. You're actually responding to public comment and yeah. to the community, and that's a good thing. Just got to do it in the right channel. Although it does feel better to um, to bitch on Vent Facebook. On Facebook. <laughs> yeah. oh my God. And you know, and I for a while tried to respond to all those, but yeah, I can be tagged yeah. as you say in hundreds of posts, and yeah. there's so much inaccurate information in them. Right. Um, yeah. You know, and you know, I mean, there was one that said I was. You know, none of us have talked to restaurants. I mean, I talked to that restaurant or twice a week. Yep. You know, I've been yep. on every call with the restaurant group, the hospitality Main group, Street. the general manager, Main Street. I'm on at least two or yep. three of these a week. And, I'm and I've am and i met with the individual restaurants. Yep. Um, and people can email me. The best thing is to email me, G-E-O-F-F dot K-O-R-S at palmspringca.gov. And I post that on my posts. Don't, right. You can tag me in Facebook and I may see it. Yep. But, you know, if I log on... In now, having not been on for an hour, I'll have 70 things on my, where I've been tapped. Of course. And that's, not, really, and that's not possible. We you really know? appreciate you making time for us. Of course. We anytime. keep our eyes on you. We're grateful that you have your hand on the steering wheel for us. Thank you so much, Thank you. Jeff. And it's nice Jeff. seeing 
some of my favorite people. I mean, I like all of you, so it's really nice to hey, see all you. of you. And I expected Jimmy to grow me a little bit, but I know. No, he can do he that. He has a hard time getting a word in with us. Jeff, you've got a you've got a big backyard. I can't wait till we can <laughs> maybe have an event or two in your a nice fundraiser again in your backyard. I don't know if that'll ever happen again. I hope it does because it I will. certainly enjoyed oh. using your space. You've been so generous, well, you and James, you. to use your that. home and to do fundraisers for groups like NCLR and Equality California. And uh, thanks for all you do on that side of the public service thank scale, you. as well as what you do for the city. Yeah, thank you. Well, thank, thank you. you. You know, it's we miss seeing people in person, so it's always yeah. So great to see everyone. Thank you. Thanks, everyone. Okay, so now we have somebody super special, super special to me, but I think everybody in town kind of knows her. It's Jill Hingston, and she is a licensed marriage and family therapist and the director of the behavioral health clinic at the LGBT Center right here in Palm Springs. Since the shutdown, she's facilitated weekly community conversations on managing emotions during the pandemic. She also co-facilitates the center's transgender support groups and specializes in working with transgender youth and their families. But more importantly, am I allowed to say it? She's my therapist, so you can't have her. She's <laughs> mine. Well, actually, yeah, anybody can have anybody her can have, yeah. <laughs> Not in a terrible way. Hey, Jill, how are you? Hi, good morning. I'm so glad to see your face. I've been just talking to you on the phone phone, but the center is doing all kind of everything from, I mean, Zoom was an option. I just don't want to be seen yeah. for, <laughs> at, uh, to some extent. I, I know the feeling. So, so yeah, our, um, the center is, uh, continues to run lots of programming and the behavioral health clinic has been virtual since um, the shutdown. All of yeah. the, I think we have seven interns now. Everybody's full up and running. Um, and we're also in the position where we are taking new clients again. So, oh, good. Yeah, and which obviously I, I heard you guys talk last week about um, touching on mental health issues, and oh my gosh, we all need help right now. We all need that connection. Um, it's just super important. Well, and I've just sent one of my friends who is also dealing with caretaking now. Two seniors who I've known 30 years, they both had strokes in the last couple years. So they were already doing without on a little bit of a level. And this has just knocked the bottom out from them. And there must be so many people in that situation you're having to. Right. In. And what, what I've noticed is um, when, when the shutdown first happened and I started doing these community conversations, I did a lot of research in like COVID and mental health and, you know, what's happening. And basically a big portion of this is that we're all in this collective grief. I mean, we've lost everything that's normal, you know, connections to family, friends, socializing. We're not meant to do, do things on screens all the time. And so, you know, the stages of grief, the, the denial, the bargaining, the anger, the depression, you know, the acceptance, um, we cycle through these continuously and we never land on one thing. We never get through it. It just is a constant oh. circle. Um, that's interesting. That's an interesting insight. Yeah. And, and if you think about it, we go from stages of denial where we just try to avoid what's happening or, you know, it's the confusion of it. And then we're like 
anger and we're pissed off at other people. We're blaming other people. We come back, you know, we're depressed, which who isn't right now, you know, and that's the detachment and just feeling overwhelmed. And even if we can accept the situation that doesn't last long because then we start that cycle again. Yeah. And it's exhausting. And who do you lean on? You know, exactly. Jack Daniels. (laughs) okay that's that's happening yes yeah jill at the top of the show we had dr laura rush on and we were talking about you know the these crazy conspiracy theories that are out there and all these things that are happening in the world and i think your explanation of the uh of the circle the cycle um makes makes some sense in helping us understand how this continues to happen, right? We never really land on anywhere within that circle. It just, it's like Groundhog Day where it keeps repeating itself. And so do you see that that maybe helps explain some of the craziness that we're seeing out there in the world? Absolutely, because we, and especially all our culture, but even as human beings, we need to feel some sort of sense of control or certainty Um, And, you know, when we look forward, everything's uncertain. We can't plan anything. Um, What feels safe one week might not feel safe the next. And so it's just this constant roller coaster, you know, and that has to do with um, what we call like the fight, flight or freeze response. And that's just our physiological response to threats. And so, again, the fighting is like we're angry and and the um flight is our anxiety like we just want to run away and then of course we've all felt frozen when paralyzed like i can't do anything today i can't get up i don't care what's the point and again we're going through this cycle and never land anywhere there's no yeah. other side. There's no, no there and isn't. no matter how much you do, you don't get the reward of doing the work because there isn't, none of it is in your hands. Right. And, and, and that response of fight, flight, or freeze is, <laughs> was evolutionary was for short-term threats. Right. Like, this is not short-term, and yet we keep going through this. So even all of our, like, cortisol and adrenaline is just constantly pumping, which... I don't know about you all, but you know, I've experienced with this stress response, also physical issues like Mm -hmm. pain that I didn't have, or God, that's weird. Or I just feel tight all the time, no matter what I do. Um, So yeah, it's all connected. And this, this is tough. Is there anything in the tool, in the toolkit that uh, you've recommended to uh, patients or people in your groups that has uh, helped? (laughs) Like a lot of people, is there anything that's like, I need a fortune cookie that says it's going to be okay. (laughs) I wish I could help you, John. No, everybody's different. And so basically we all need to figure out what works for us. And, but one important thing is to have some sort of sense of structure and routine, because then at least we know what to expect with all the uncertainty. At least we know what to expect for this Mm -hmm. day and I mean for myself I do one day at a time like for real I cannot Mm. I cannot think about two weeks down the road what's going to be happening I get up and I'm like okay what do I have to do today yeah you know and and it's important if you can set up some sort of 
Zoom social hour or meeting or um, programming at the center, you pick one a day. If you just have one thing to do for one hour a day, at least then you structure your day around that hour mm -hmm. and you know what you're doing. I got to yeah, say I the exercises. I mean, I'm no gym bunny. I'm not like dying because the gym isn't open, but I get my three days a week of that water aerobics. We're all on opposite sides of the pool, four of us or three of us at a, you know, at a time. But I, I think I would be even crazier than this if I didn't have that one, both the structure and the physical release of it. Yeah. Yeah. The physical yeah. release is really important. And, you know, sometimes I've always been active and I bought an exercise bike, thank God, for myself at Christmas, not knowing. Oh, the back, is that it in the background? Is that what we're seeing there? No, that's my real bike. My <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> See my vacuum cleaner? Yeah. That's eh, the iron. iron that I never use anymore. Your Wonder Woman cape, I notice, in the background. Yes, that is back there. <laughs> yes. You are, you are truly Wonder Woman. So well, what do you do? Personally, what do you do? Because you get the weight of the world on you. How, how do you how do you cope with this? How do you how do you make sense <laughs> it, of it all? It's been a struggle, and some days are better than others. Honestly, um, I just knowing myself. I every morning I get on my bike for thirty minutes. Okay. Um, every other day I work out with some weights that I bought. Um, I do my best to meditate. I started that mm -hmm. during the shutdown. Wait a minute, wait a minute. What What is your meditation regimen? Like the Nomyo Renge or the like Deepak Chopra talks the about Deepak, the Deepak, yeah. Yeah, yeah. okay. Because it's yeah. like 20 minutes, so it's yeah. not like I have to, because I'm not going to do an hour. I know that. I mean, Me right? Those yeah. ones, that Oprah, Deepak Chopra, plus he has a Latinx guy this time yeah. with, yeah, it's good. I'm in the middle of that one now. Yeah. Good for you. Yeah. And I use Headspace. That's another one that's out there that's really oh, yeah. good. I love his voice. He's got this nice, soothing foreign accent that I just really like. <laughs> Is he I use Captain Morgan. Ah. <laughs> you know what? Do what you know. Do what yeah. works for you. <laughs> and then she, do some more. <laughs> right. She would tell you, you know, if Captain Morgan is your path, don't try and change it right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about the virtual hugs. I see that in the background. I know there's been some t-shirts made that help fund the center. Tell us a little bit about virtual hugs. Yeah, we um, started that with PSP, um, gosh, right, I think within a couple weeks of the shutdown. And we have these signs, um, I think, in every window at the center through mm -hmm. all of the scaffolding. I don't know if you've seen our building, but... Um, yeah, and, and we just started that to basically reach out to the community. I mean, and we have talked as a staff how how painful it even is to not be able to hug each other. I mean, you know, as gays, we're all huggy and feely, and yeah. um, we're not doing that. And so that was just a creative um you know, outcome of. But you, you have yeah. a lot of, you have caregivers groups, you have a women's chat, you have a men's chat. All those things that already existed are all being offered virtually. They can find anything at the centerps.org. Yes? Yes. Yes. What are, there's a couple others. I know Lex is hosting some stuff and I'm impressed. It's amazing what you guys have done. Yeah, Miguel is hosting, um, Zoom meetings with young people in East Coachella Valley. I mean, all of that is still happening because it needs to. And 
Yeah. You know, we're still getting requests for different kinds of group. We have an adopt, adult adoptees group now. I mean, we just have things, and, and they're all listed. All our Zoom groups are listed on the website. Yeah, and we also are reposting them on Gay Desert Guide. We're also putting yeah. them in our newsletter every week Great. for the synopsis of what's happening for the next week. Um, because, again, it's just important for everyone's mental health to get as much support and help and to let people know all these different things that are out there. We're all going through this in a very collective way, and yet we're all alone. Right. Exactly. Thank you so much for being on the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast, Jill Hingston. My we'll pleasure. have you back soon. Thank all right. you so much, honey. I'm not going anywhere. Okay. <laughs> Sadly. <laughs> yeah. Now, Brad uh, Fur and I are both um, major car nerds, oh, and yeah. we wanted to bring uh, Deanne Hopings in, who is also a uh, an automobile aficionado. And what is your what is your position with the car club? Uh, my title is community liaison officer. Now uh, let's go to the car. Let's. This is actually gay. It's the. Great gay autos, autos oh, yeah. great autos of yesteryear. Gay, the gay yep. car club. Yep. But, I guess there aren't gay cars of yesteryear. I have oh, yes, there is. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. The 1956 Dodge La Femme, I believe, <laughs> right? Ooh. It had. It came in pink, and it had a matching umbrella and, and vanity case, and, and it was supposed to be made for women, and the only people that I think collected are gay men. Yeah. <laughs> I've seen that, yeah. And, and I, I own a mini, and, and a lot of people think that that's kind of gay too. So, but but uh, it is. Yeah, I think uh, it's as cute a car as it could possibly be. The mini. Mine will do 147 miles an hour, though. And you know that. And I know that. <laughs> Personal experience. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I, I I'll never tell. No no. <laughs> but, uh, Deanne, what's happening with the car club? I know uh, I'm a member, and so I mm -hmm. I get some of the the casual uh, the, the the casual concourse is still on the calendar for uh, Modernism Weekend. What how is that going to look this year with COVID nineteen? Uh, it's it's still a work in progress, uh, unfortunately, because one of the things that, that we don't know is how uh, regulations will will come and go. So you haven't made a final decision on no. it. No. Okay. So it, it, you know, it's still in play, but whether or not it'll happen or or what yeah. it will look like um, remains to be seen yet. So yeah. you know, it's, it's one of those things, you know, watch this space kind of thing. <laughs> well, and the Camelot Theater is, uh, the Cultural Center is doing its drive-in, and I know that on the first night, a bunch of the cars from your group lined yeah. up for part of the photo shoot of vintage cars oh, yeah. all lined up at the drive-in at night. and. Yeah. Pretty sexy. You guys get called in. I've used your cars for Modernism Week, yes. and people yes. use them for all kinds of stuff. Yeah, the uh, 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 parade uh, during uh, on uh, Sunday for uh, Pride Weekend. Yes. Um, Veterans Day parade. Um, you know, all kinds of things, and you know, the the members are are happy to do that because it it, it gets the club out in front of people. Yeah. Um, and usually for the folks who who uh, uh, do that uh they're included in the activities you know so so that's another plus <laughs> right the guys who put their card in front of our houses got free tours of the home tours and all that yeah. we it took works. them some good photographs and such you're also on the arts commission or the cathedral city is it public arts commission or public tell arts. us about that yes well the uh you may have noticed that there are a number of artworks in, in cathedral city you know all around and 
Um, I, I think probably folks don't know how that happens. You know, it doesn't just, you know, you wave your hands and poof and there it is. But uh, sometimes uh, artists will donate the works. Um, uh, if someone passes away, their families um, or just mm -hmm. the general public. Um, sometimes uh, the commission members itself uh, may commission a piece to be done for a particular place. But um, whatever we do uh, the is uh, passed along to city council for their approval, hopefully, and uh, then, then it's acted upon at, at, at that time. So, but um, the, uh, there's a really neat uh, app that uh, the commission uh, has done and is available for uh, Apple and Android devices. And it's called Cathedral City, where art lives. And uh, it's, it's really a, a cool app because it shows uh, the art pieces around um, photos, uh, a map, uh, information about the artist that, you know, did it. And These are outside pieces of art. So you can basically do your own tour through this app, right? Yes, exactly. Wow, exactly. that's cool. And there's even uh, GPS information, so you can't get lost. Oh, good. We'll put a link what? on uh, gaydesertguide.com and, uh, and in the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast this week so people mm -hmm. can access that. Yeah, yeah, it, yeah, and I have it uh, running on my machines here, and, and, and it's really cool. Uh, the uh, some of the pieces, I, I think you might not realize. Oh, these are public art pieces, you know, because they, and some of them they blend in so well, you know. And part of what we're charged with is not only, you know, to uh, pick which artworks uh, are appropriate, but also what's a good location for them. You see. So, what's the last piece of art to be approved in Cathedral City? Um, the, uh, if you know where the uh, public library is, yes, uh, at the north end of uh, Patriot Park, there's a little utility building there uh, just off the uh, parking lot for the uh, uh, library. And the previously, uh, uh, an artist was commissioned to uh, uh, do murals on two sides of it. And uh, so now that the, you know, we're figuring out how to uh, uh, different artists for the other two sides. And, uh, it, you know, it's, it's something that will capture, uh, you know, California, you know, the city, you know, what we're doing and stuff. So uh, they're very, uh, and, and also with the, related to the theme of where it is, Patriot, Patriot Park. So. Uh, so this isn't done. This has been approved and is in progress of happening? Uh, yeah, later on this year. Uh, okay. Not, you know, 120 degrees summertime. Well, yeah. Okay, <laughs> but, I get it. But but later on, though, uh, probably towards the fall, uh, the uh, start work on the other two sides. Now, unfortunately, uh, going forward, now these are things that were approved as far as as part of last year's uh, fiscal budget. For this year, um, the city has gone through or or expects to go through a you know serious. Uh, uh, downfall in terms of uh, mm. revenue. Yeah. So there's a, a moratorium uh, for uh, this fiscal year. So, you know, we'll be thinking about projects, you know, lining things up, and uh, but there won't be anything new uh, for this yeah. fiscal year. It'll be finished. The one. We're having to make that decision on every level and every direction in our lives right now, I guess. And we thank you so much. The uh, Cathedral City 
public arts app is loading right now. You can check it out and get it at the app store. And thank you so much for being on the I Love Gay Palm Springs uh, web, uh, podcast. Yeah, the thing. Yeah. <laughs> thank you. My pleasure. Thanks, honey. Well, we have had a, an amazing show today with Dr. Laura Rush and, and Jimmy Bogle and the mayor of Palm Springs and mental health and car club. We needed um, to kind of cleanse the palate with with something beautiful before we leave. And we welcome to the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast concert cellist, the professor of cello at Pepperdine University. He's an artist, a teacher, a music chair in chamber music, uh, strings chair of the Pasadena Conservatory, artistic director. He has played for Princess Grace and Barbara Streisand. And he is our friend Andrew Cook, and we thank you so much for uh, for bringing your cello. I know you're in Wisconsin now, having a having a good visit in a cool place. Yes. Did, did you have to buy a plane ticket for your cello? Well, I all the, the the cello always has a plane ticket, but in this particular case, I drove. Ah. I for a while. <laughs> yeah. So we I drove out here. Seems safer. It was and, much safer, and it was an enjoyable trip. See, part yeah. of the you know, Andrew, you you play in what is ult the ultimate team sport: orchestras, chamber music. Yeah. I mean, that is such a, a collaboration of of people, and you know, ranging in size. How many is in, in a chamber orchestra? Well, chamber orchestra is usually around forty people, and a major orchestra is a hundred, maybe. Yeah, and you do a lot of session work in Los Angeles for I movies. Do. Yes, I do. Yeah. Any that we've uh, seen recently? Go ahead, toot your own horn or oh my gosh. pluck your own strings. Toot your own fiddle. Yeah. <laughs> In my own fiddle. Well, I, I performed on probably more than four or 500 films. Wow. So yeah. it's hard to remember all of them, but um, you know, very famous ones, of course, like the Titanic and all those big films that, you know, we do. But okay. it's it's a great, it's great. It's wonderful. It's, and you know. LA gets this rap of being like junk culture capital of the world. But the truth is, I truly believe that Los Angeles is home to the best musicians on planet Earth. I mean, I think you're right. It's, it's certainly, I mean, the world is filled with amazing musicians. So depending on the good thing is we're, we're very movable. <laughs> yeah. So we get to experience each other lots of different times and lots of different places. So that's great. How are you dealing with not being able to play with, you know, your pals? I'm probably dealing it with much the same way as everyone's dealing with the fact that we are unable to hold each other. We're unable to collaborate with each other. We're unable to, you know, uh, create the energy that happens when you're with someone and you're, you know, learning from them. So it, that's tough for us because being a performing artist, that's pretty much my whole life. So it's been a little bit weird. On the other hand, you know, we have to kind of figure out how to make it uh, a positive experience for all of us or go to the therapist a lot. Yeah. Well, one of the things you've been doing on Facebook, and I have just adored it, is you've sat down with your cello and and played uh, pieces of music, you know, as uh, just to help us uh, enjoy the beauty of music. And these are things that resonate with you uh, personally. And I remember you played one that was something you learned as a student. Uh, yeah. I hadn't heard it before, but it was just beautiful. And we've asked you, know, you to, to kind of play us out on this show today. I would be happy to. And I do this, um, just the cello and music is the way I cope. And um, so I do it more for me than even the people that are listening to it. But I'm glad that, 
those moments are helpful to those people. So I'll play a little something, and if I mess up, well, that's the way it goes. Um, we uh, won't know. Yeah. <laughs> but I thought I'd play uh, Somewhere Over the Rainbow. <gasps> oh, nice. And okay. There's a, line, there's a line in it where um, I love it, where it says, where troubles melt like lemon drops. Yeah. And I think right now we're kind of hoping for that. Yes, we are. So here we go. That was so lovely. Oh my God! Thank you. And and a perfect choice. Our our gay national anthem. Yeah, <laughs> I'm that was Toto just up right. for a visit. Hi, Toto. <laughs> Andrew Cook, well, thank, thank you. you. Thank you thank so you much. much. Oh, what a joy. Very Thanks for that joy. moment thank of beauty. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thanks for listening and or viewing the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. We appreciate you downloading us from iTunes and also viewing us on Facebook. And you can also listen at GayDesertGuy.com. Shan, Brad, love you guys. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to the I Love Gay Palm Springs podcast. Like us on Facebook at I Love Gay Palm Springs and on the homepage of GayDesertGuy.com.